And what's up, podcast people and soundtrack geniuses around the world? You're listening to The Soundcast, the official podcast of tracksounds.com. And in this podcast, we talk all things film, television, and video game music. I am Christopher Coleman, and joining me for this very special episode is... Kristen Romanelli of Film Score Monthly Online. And Marty... And... <laughs> uh, Marty Brueggemann of The Underscore Podcast, as well as... His brother, Will Brugman from the Underscore Podcast. And today, today is... is my turn to <laughs> shut up. <laughs> it's green. It is green, and I just ignored the color. Sorry. Go. <laughs> today is Sunday, April 29th, 2018, and this is episode 107 of the Soundcast, where we discuss Avengers Infinity War with original score by Alan Silvestri. You can find all episodes of The Soundcast at thesoundcast.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and we're even on Spotify. Wherever you do listen, you know what we ask? We ask that you leave us a rating and a review. Even if you don't like the show, it's okay. You can leave <laughs> us a review. We'll read it. We'll be hurt. But we'll continue to create more episodes anyway. And maybe if you give inst- uh, constructive criticism, they might make the show even better. You can send your feedback via email to soundcast at tracksounds.com or use our SpeakPipe widget to leave us a voicemail message or hit us up on Twitter at Audio Soundcast or at Tracksounds. Or you can also find us on Facebook. Well, Kristen, Marty, Will, welcome back to the Soundcast. Thanks so Thank much you for having us. Are you guys ready to do some avenging? Let's do it. Yes. <laughs> Let's do it. Are we really ready? Because this is... I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> There's the, the truth. <laughs> you can feel the, the Twitter heat that's about to come all of our ways. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I think no matter what position you have on this film and score, there's going to be people who agree with you and people who disagree with you. Um, so I'm looking forward to this conversation myself. Um, and, you know, it's kind of, it's great when there's a big, immense release like this. Um, and even, I guess maybe better when it's, when it's, when there's people with varying reactions to it. It makes for better conversation anyway. Um, so we're going to be talking about all about Avengers Infinity War. Infinity War. I, I'd like to see an Affinity War too. That's kind of what we have now. We have Avengers <laughs> Affinity Wars. Um, so let me read you a little bit about the film in case you somehow didn't know what this film was about. Um, Iron Man, Thor, the Hulk, and the rest of the, of the Avengers unite to battle their most powerful enemy yet, the evil Thanos. On a mission to collect all six Infinity Stones, Thanos plans to use the artifacts to inflict his twist, his twisted will, sorry, his twisted will on reality. The fate of the planet and existence itself has never been more uncertain as everything the Avengers have fought for has led up to this moment. This film was released uh, just a couple of days ago from the time of this recording, officially on April 27, 2018. Uh, it has been directed by the Russo brothers, Anthony and Joseph Russo. film has an 84% on Rotten Tomatoes from the critics, but a 93% from the audience, a 68 on Metacritic, and the film is bringing in all the cash. Everyone's cash is now in the hands of Marvel, if it wasn't already. 
Um, it's brought in some $250 million domestically and $630 million worldwide in its opening weekend. That is insane. Uh, the original score was also released digitally on Friday, April 27th. Uh, two releases, the regular soundtrack release, which had 23 tracks, 71 minutes, and the deluxe edition, which I had no idea was coming, 30 tracks in 116 minutes. The CD, for whatever reason, is not coming out until May 18th, 2018, and it's being released from Hollywood Records. A few soundtrack reviews are out there already. Uh, soundtrack Geek, usually one of the first ones to get a, a review posted, Gave the score by Alan Silvestri an 80 out of 100. Soundtrack Dreams, the other one that gets reviews up really fast, 95 out of 100. And then our friend James Southall from Movie Wave gave the score a four-star uh, rating. So pretty high marks from the small sample size uh, for the score. But before we get into Alan Silvestri's score, we have to talk a little bit about the film. Uh, the first couple segments are going to be non-spoilery. If you're one of the few who haven't seen the film yet for some strange reason and are listening to this, we're not going to spoil anything in the first couple segments, but then most of the time we'll spend in spoiler section. So, gentlemen and ladies, lady, um, what? just so everyone knows... Your background with Marvel as we get into this discussion. How far back do you go? Um, Kristen, how far back do you go with Marvel? Um, I go back a pretty long ways to uh, reading comics as okay. a kid. Okay. And I guess the cartoon series that they had for like Spider-Man and the X-Men. And okay. gosh, that 90s X-Men. That was so good. So good. Um, Heck yeah. That theme, too. So good. Okay, I'm red leadering you right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm invoking the red leader protocol right now. <laughs> okay, I'm pulling up. Um, <laughs> so in um, terms of Avengers, did you read Avengers comics and all that? Well, Spider-Man was one of the main Avengers, so That's yeah. true. Okay. Um, <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Um, if if you go back to some of our other MCU episodes, you know, I talk about Civil War and Winter Soldier and how those relate to how they came out in the film, which is in name only. Right. Um, so uh, there's there's a lot of I have a lot of comic uh, history with Marvel and the Avengers. OK. All right. Good to know. Uh, Marty. How about you? What's your background with Marvel? Yeah, somewhat similar to Kristen. Uh, read a lot of comics as a kid uh, and definitely preferred Marvel comics over over DC comics mostly. Uh, big Spider-Man mm -hmm. fan, big X-Men fan. Um, you know, the sort of uh, that the giant like sort of relaunch of the X-Men with that great Jim Lee fold-out cover that kind of hit... Um, just at the perfect the perfect time the perfect age for me so i was definitely into a lot of that stuff uh haven't stayed with the comics all that much though uh in the early 2000s i, I did get into some of the first kind of ultimate series stuff uh, like mark millar's the ultimates which is sort of a prototype for the the first avengers film and then uh as for movies i've seen a lot of the marvel films um really liked a lot of the marvel films kind of pre Kevin Feige and tend not to enjoy uh, most of the Marvel Studios oh. films actually. Wow. Okay. But, yeah. 
I'm surprised to hear this, but I'm pleasantly surprised for discussion's sake. Um, <laughs> Will, how about you? What's your background with Marvel? Similar, I guess, to Marty. I, I didn't really um, read the comics probably as much as he did, but I'm so much younger than the rest of my siblings, so I kind of... I got like secondhand culture. So a lot of the Mm. movies and books and comics and everything that I experienced were just sort of like hand me down from my brothers. So I also was really into the nineties X-Men show and uh, you know, I really like Spider-Man and the X-Men that's sort of like, I guess I was um, probably the most into X-Men in terms of Marvel. And I also really enjoyed like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films when those came out. And I liked the old Bryan Singer X-Men movies. I was really into those when those came out. And I think I was... um, young enough that those movies made a really big impression on me just in the theater um, Mm -hmm. because I think of whatever age I was. Uh, And I I, I gotta say, I think I'd have to agree with Marty when it comes to the films. I'm not as big of a fan of a lot of the Marvel Studios movies. I really liked Black Panther. Um, mm-hmm. And my favorite Marvel Studios movie was the original Iron Man. Like, I loved that movie. That's nice. one of my favorite superhero films. But I think I was super excited for the Avengers. But ever since um, all of the, like, interconnecting world stuff, somehow to me I feel like it almost, like, cheapens a little bit of what makes each one of those superheroes kind of cool. So mm-hmm. I think I more just prefer movies that tend to be more, like, standalone um, and not necessarily like connecting to a bunch of other things. Okay. Interesting. That That's setting things up very interestingly for this conversation. <laughs> oh, um, no. Is it foreboding have... low strings? No, it's good. Happening it's right good. Now. It's good. Um, there would just be less head nodding going on, I think, during this conversation <laughs> than, than I was uh, anticipating. I probably have the <laughs> least amount of a comic book experience here. I mean, I read a few as a kid. I was never a huge collector, but for some reason I had like a handful of Fantastic Fours, like right oh, around great. the 200 nice. uh, realm, right? I think my sister someone got me like the 200th, um, uh, I want to say episode, the 200th. Issue? What Issue, that's the word I'm looking for. See, that proves it, I'm not a comic book person. <laughs> And then it was like this big epic thing that happened. And so I was like, man, I want to know what happened for it. So somehow I found like 197, 198, 199. Oh, And cool. then I didn't read anymore after that. Um, uh, so I was familiar. Uh, I think I watched more of the cartoons, like the old 60s cartoons with Iron Man and um, uh, Hulk, Thor. And there was one other one, Silver Surfer. Not Silver Surfer. Um, what was his name? He's a He's a dude... Swims in the sea, but he's a Marvel guy. Who was that? Ah, what is that guy's name? You guys should know. Boy, I really should know. Um, Yeah, you guys, the comic people, should know that. There was four in the the series. You stall for time here. Um, Well, I'll just say that. I mean, yeah, go ahead, Google it and see if we can get the name. Um, It's like. Submariner? Submariner, that's the guy. Stronger than a whale, he can swim anywhere. He can breathe underwater and go flying through the air. So there was a series of of cartoons that came on that were built around those four characters. Separate. 
really, really shoddy animation. Like they didn't like really move. They would like have a cut out and would just slide the whole character. <laughs> oh, sort of um, a limited yeah. animation kind of thing. Yeah, very limited. But I loved them as a kid. So that's where that's really where I got introduced to some of these characters. Um was not a big fan of the Raimi Spider-Mans at all, really. Um, X-Men, yes, enjoyed those films for the most part, except for three, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) And then the MCU was really like the thing that really pulled me in because I didn't have too much comic um, knowledge and baggage and experience. And so Iron Man was a great start. I loved the tone. And from there, I was kind of in... To varying degrees on on all the films, but I generally really have enjoyed what they're trying to do, even though all the films aren't, you know, stellar. Um, The general concept of what they were doing was always fascinating to me, and all leading up to this particular film um, or films, and so that's my Marvel background. Um, Let's talk about our our general reactions to this film, Avengers Infinity War. Again, no spoilers, just a general reaction. In or out on it, thumbs up, thumbs down, just general thoughts. Um, Will, why don't you go first? Oh, no, I don't know that you want to go first with me because I actually didn't really like this movie. Okay, that's great. Um, but maybe it's better to end with, something, right end with something positive. Um, I, I guess I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was disappointed because like I mentioned, I, I guess I just haven't really been into the Avengers movies. So I don't think no. I'm a good judge of it. Like the first sure. Avengers movies, I, the first one I was really excited about just because uh-huh. I'm kind of a Joss Whedon fan and uh-huh. I love Alan Silvestri. So I was just really excited about it. And I, I think I, like you, was really attracted to the idea of um, making a movie that combines all of these heroes together. And it was kind of like a childhood dream. And I was kind of interested in that Ultimates um, comic series that Marty was mentioning. And I was kind of interested in the idea of, you know, I liked the Nick Fury teasers. And so I was kind of excited for it. And mm-hmm. that first movie just left me, I guess, a little bit underwhelmed. Like, I thought it was, like, a fun action movie, but I I didn't think it was necessarily, like, amazing other than just the fact that it had all these characters in it. And Mm -hmm. I think the ever since that first film, um, I haven't been as much of a fan of, like, you know, Iron Man 3 and some of the other Thor sequels and Captain America stuff that's come afterwards because I guess I don't really like how the Avengers like as a film kind of impacted the rest of those storylines. And this Mm. movie was basically, it had a lot of the things that I just don't really care for in the Marvel movies, which is like a lot of jokes and a lot of like so many characters that it's kind of hard to keep track of. And like, I feel sometimes like if I've missed um, one or two of the films that I'm sometimes scratching my head as to like, yeah. oh wait, who's this person and how do yeah. they fit in with it? And like, it can be just a little overwhelming to me, I guess. Sure. And the movie was kind of long, but yeah, I don't know. I, I I probably am not a good judge. I feel a little bit like my dad watching. Uh, <laughs> this movie where I'm like, you know, where's George Reeves and Superman? You know, like I feel a little bit like old fashioned um, when I'm no, watching that's to- this. It's but... totally valid. I wouldn't, I wouldn't discount your opinion at all. It's, I mean, that's why I wanted to do the, the kind of Marvel background first, because I think that 
that background affects uh, one's appreciation of of what's being done here on some level. So yeah, absolutely, that's totally valid, totally valid. Uh, Marty, what about you? Um, I guess sort of a generally kind of similar reaction. I thought it was a a serviceable movie given the tall order of combining just that many characters and also that many high profile actors who I'm sure uh, may have had their own demands on as far as screen time and that sort of stuff. Um, But yeah, I did find it sort of uh, sort of a frustrating watch, but like I said, I I, I'm usually frustrated by the MCU films. I was a little less frustrated Mm -hmm. than I was expecting. So my thumb isn't all the way down. Uh, It's, it's lower than, than the horizon, (laughs) but, but not too, not too far down. Just barely. Okay. All right. And for this, for, and right now we're going to move into our special Kristen segment, which is entitled, It's Complicated. It's Complicated. <laughs> Trademark. Yeah. <laughs> Trademarked. <laughs> um, yeah. So I went to a 1230 screening today. Mm-hmm. Um, so 1230 PM, not AM like, like Christopher did. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I think I'm still recovering. Yeah, um, sure. <laughs> it's an awful lot, and yeah. uh, un- unlike the brothers here, I I am uh quite into the MCU, and I do enjoy that each separate movie is sort of exposition leading up to a giant event. Mm-hmm. Um. Because then you don't have tons of exposition in the giant event, and right. that would just annoy me. Um, but gosh, um, I don't think I can get into why I have these sure complex feelings without spoiling. Sure, but I feel like it sort of left me in like a Marvel existential crisis. <laughs> Um, if that I, makes it makes total sense, it would make total sense if you've seen it because if you you'll come out and you'll be like uh, you'll you'll start ruminating on you know the futility of it all. And <laughs> <laughs> I I definitely can relate to that feeling. I was f- like kind of kept up last night and definitely feeling like you know why are we all here and. What's the point of all of this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it kept on bouncing from things that I loved to things that just like completely gutted me on mm-hmm. like a fan level. And then there was the length of it, which was just like, God, it felt like it was four hours <laughs> instead of two and a half. I felt like I was in like fucking Return of the King. And, oh, that's a good place. Yeah, I thought to it was be. like Ben Hur or something. They needed an intermission. But I mean, in the like with the six endings, like like oh, that's what really? it felt like. Oh wow, it, we gotta talk just, about it, that more. It just, it just, it just felt like I've lost track of the narrative structure of this, and I can't pinpoint where in the act structure we are. Oh yeah, are we, we have toward to talk the more end? about that. We can't be possibly toward the end. Oh my god, it's over. It seemed like Wait it had sort of twelve second acts or something. Um, okay. Yeah. 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 I just a thing unto itself. Yeah, I was completely structurally lost, and that's yes. why it made it feel so long. And then, like, the credits were happening, and I was like, "Oh God, I have to stay because there's like <laughs> end credit stuff." But yes. I really have to go to the ladies' room. Oh. Like, <laughs> what? 
is going on. <laughs> so, and is it safe to that say that the end credit sequence, Kristen did did not uh, satiate? It did actually. It. Oh, actually, I I'm I'm quite excited about that yeah, um, because I, I know that. what it means. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was pretty impressed. So, as soon as that happened, I was like, "Yes." <laughs> the person I went with was like. He, he actually Googled, he's like, is there an end credit scene? He Googled, he's like, oh, yes, there is. All right, so we stayed. And then I said, I know one thing, it's not going to be funny. <laughs> I know that for sure. Whatever it well, is, it's going to be. it was be. a little bit funny. They almost a little got funny. a little yeah. <laughs> I, I did. I did chuckle at one moment, but we shouldn't talk about I, it. You I, know? Ch- I chuckled at that same moment. I can't remember. Um, we'll have to talk about that in spoilers. Okay. But, so. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I, it's I had to ask my roommate what it meant um, because I uh, <laughs> I actually didn't know um, what that ending meant until I had to ask someone who's more of a Marvel fan than I am. All right. Well, I am a huge fan of the thing that yeah. people don't know what it is <laughs> and that you see and it's kind of left open there. Yeah. Well, and the, the future project um, that that thing is connected who to know, is The great. people who know are so ready for it. Sure. Right, right. Well, well, we'll reveal what that is in, in our spoiler <sighs> discussion. Um, I, like you, Kristen, was fairly overwhelmed by this film. Um, uh, maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, but it kind of sounds like you were saying on some level it was overwhelming, um, especially yeah. coming out at 3 a.m. Uh, I was just like... Talking to my friends, like I'm not quite sure what we saw here right today. I don't. <laughs> I'm not. I, I can't. I, I'm not processing this well. All my my last impression outside of the end credit scene was the end, which I was not really happy about. I was a little angry, and so that was my initial reaction walking out. I was like, I'm angry right now. And I have to work through this to see if... You're angry because you're questioning the meaning of your life within the structure of the Marvel Cinematic (laughs) Universe. After 10 years, after all of this, after all the buildup in the podcasts and the scores and the where's the musical continuity, does it ever matter? Does it even matter? Put in the context of all of this? Oh man, I want to put my mic down and just listen to Kristen. Like, yeah, this is great. Preach, I wish please. that was what was going through my head, but it wasn't. It was purely where they chose to end the film. I'm literally uh, having a crisis over this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in the days following, as I could start to sort it out uh, in my mind, I was like, you know, overall, I enjoyed this film. I want to see it again. I feel like I have to see it again because it's so dense. There's so much that happens so fast. The dialogue is so fast. I mean, it was interesting to hear different people laughing at different parts because, but not everyone laughed usually at the same part because you weren't, everyone wasn't catching the same jokes because they're quick. They're not said very loudly. And it's just like, it was just really um, just a disconcerting experience because everything was happening so quickly. Sure. Um, I didn't like the, the style of filming of the action scenes, the shaky cam. I'm like, Give that up, guys. That's over. <laughs> right. And it just is just it's just horrible. But overall, I I enjoyed this film. I enjoyed what I think they were trying to accomplish. I don't enjoy everything about it by a long shot. But overall, I I had I'm looking back on it now and I'm saying I had a good time, even though <laughs> I had my moments of frustration within the film. Um so we're all over the place on that uh, scale. 
let's see where we land and our general reaction, no spoilers, to Alan Silvestri's original score. Uh, Kristen, why don't you vent a little bit more on that? <laughs> I don't know if it was the cinema I was in or what. Um, I ended up going to a 2D screening in a small theater. It was a landmark theater, so it's mm -hmm. not like this huge Dolby Atmos, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so... I don't know if it was that or if it was like mixed really low. I I don't know. I I got no impression of the score. Hmm. Um, on the bigger the thematic moments, those did strike me, and it's like, oh, of course, the Avengers theme. Mm -hmm. Any anyway, the the point is the the rest of the time it felt like it was like a very gentle score experience which is is a complete contrast to what i was expecting to feel hmm. especially coming off of ready player one which is extraordinary new classic level i i think right. um and this was very subdued for me hmm. um i could i couldn't make out anything other than the Avengers theme and the spoiler. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the spoiler music. <laughs> and the spoiler music. Um, so, it yeah, it, it didn't feel very characteristic of Sylvester or of Dennis Sands or, or of the MCU as of late. So, did anyone else I'm very confused. I'm issues? very confused. Did anyone else have issues with the the mix? Uh, you know, I mean, I also came out of a screening this afternoon. Uh, my room was a, a little a little funny sound, a little a little light on the score, I would say. Um, though I also had some intelligibility problems with dialogue. It sounds like maybe you had a similar ex experience, Christopher. Although that could just be you know audiences talking or laughing in the wrong spots. Um, but I, I guess I have to say that it. It isn't. It isn't rare where I feel like um, the the score is mixed a little, little low uh, when I go to the movies. So mm -hmm. I don't know that I kind of singled it out necessarily. Uh, also, I'm not sure if it's entirely fair because you know I kind of went into the film knowing we'd be talking about the score, and my brain and ears are really, really trained on it. So I actually, I really, I really love the score. Um, I seeing on. Or I guess we shouldn't get into Twitter. Um, I was excited to hear a couple of callbacks to the the main Avengers theme, but really it was more how Alan was kind of spotting the material, and it's definitely very subdued um, score overall. But uh, I was actually really liking a lot of the orchestration and um, and yeah, like I said, like the actual sort of spotting for the material. It's not a, a quote unquote epic or bombastic palette. Um, but yeah. I, I guess I I sort of was pleasantly uh, pleasantly surprised that that was the case. Okay. And yeah, overall, I uh, yeah, I liked his uh, I, I liked his instincts actually here. Okay. Um, now, I'm sorry. Was that Will or Marty? Oh, that was Marty. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> Because you use some of the same same wording as well. I'm like, wait a minute. I thought it was Marty, but he's using the same words that Will has written down here. 
<laughs> we're so like a two. Sure. We're a two-headed creature. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, well, you can just say ditto. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what, what were your thoughts? I loved the score. Actually, I didn't have a problem with the mix, and maybe it's like Marty was saying. I was. I went into it really focusing on the score, but I think it's also because, like, I I don't know. I I'm not as into like the Avengers movies that I think I was focused on the score for a lot of the scenes. I was just listening to the music and I was so surprised because I had sort of the opposite experience with the first Avengers because I'm such a big Alan Silvestri fan that I just thought that score felt at the time. I think I've come to appreciate it more, but at the time Mm -hmm. I felt like it was kind of just more what I would expect from like a big modern action film. But what I loved Mm. about this score is it didn't at all sound like what I would have expected. It didn't sound like the old Avengers scores to me. And it didn't sound like what he did for uh, Captain America. And I guess to me, like I, the score had like a sci-fi kind of the old Jerry Goldsmith, Star Trek Mm. scores, or even like a little bit of like John Williams, Star Wars, vibes to like some of the palette that he was using in terms of like hmm. there were a lot of like planing chords and kind of this rich more old school orchestration with a lot of like woodwind writing and a lot of like mm-hmm. elegiac kind of string writing and it was just not at all the kind of score that I would have expected and um while I'll say there aren't a lot of like necessarily new themes that I would be like leaving the theater humming i imagine if i listened to it more there'd be more moments like that that i would find but i definitely enjoyed the music and i think it i was just kind of impressed because what when i was listening to it it seemed like it was almost like wall-to-wall music like i'd never really Mm -hmm. noticed a moment where there wasn't some score and it wasn't just kind of cliched you know an ostinato drum loop for five minutes. It was very kind of detailed and intricate. So I I guess I was just pleasantly surprised and I would definitely love to hear more scores in this style from big movies like this. Absolutely. Um, Interesting take in terms of how much you enjoyed it. I I was a little surprised with that. Um, I found it serviceable within the film. I, I, it, Something one of you said just a minute ago, uh, I really felt feel the same way in that. Well, no, I feel the opposite. I <laughs> was tr- I wanted to focus on the on the score, but couldn't. I was so trying to just keep up with what was happening on the screen and the dialogue. Sure. And I just I was like, I couldn't. And I think that's why I was like, well, I don't know what I really got out of the score other than the main theme and Thanos's theme. Um, that's all I really kind of got out of it. It's all I could absorb um, consciously uh, on my first screening because it was just one thing after, you know, introduce these characters and action, right. crazy action. When it's a very talking movie. Oh, yeah, um, these guys are in it too. Yeah. Yes right. and no. Um, uh, but it, upon further listens, there's a lot more in the score than I heard uh, in the theater a lot more, which we'll talk about more in, in spoiler time. Um, so I've come to appreciate the score more outside of the context than within. Uh, and so I think also additional viewings of the movie will help me to appreciate the score more within the film because I'll actually be able to listen to it and focus sure. on it a little bit more. Um, but yeah, it, 
I would say for 99% of the world, the score is probably fine. You know, there's, yeah, I had a good time of the movie overall. I don't know. They might recognize the Avengers theme because they've heard it for, I don't know how many years now, um, seven or eight years, uh, but that's probably it. Um, for us film music people, it's probably a different, there's just a different level of expectation that, again, we'll probably talk about more here in a few seconds um, as we move into our uh, spoiler world. Uh, any other, any last thoughts, non-spoiler thoughts before we do go spoilery? No? start off by um, we're going to talk about the Hollywood Reporter goal uh, article in a minute. Let's start off and stick with the film and the score in terms of how effective do you think Avengers Infinity War was in reaching the goals you perceive it having set out for itself. Uh, Kristen, why don't you go first? As I said, I'm having an existential crisis <laughs> over this because so, toward the beginning of the movie, when they open up and you have Thanos having killed Asgard, basically, mm -hmm. all the Asgardians, mm -hmm. I sort of suddenly got this sense of, like, like I did when I watched Alien 3 and realized Newt is dead. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Thus but invalidating everything, <laughs> everything that happened in Aliens was for nothing. And now I'm like, oh my god, everything that happened in Ragnarok was for nothing. And that sustained itself throughout the film. Like every action was negated mm. and rewound and like everything was inevitable toward a nothingness can, can, so can i interject a question right here for you <laughs> i'm just i'm loving what you're saying right now and i've just got to ask this um so what you're saying is you it it impacted you greatly because of the of the retroactive impact upon the stuff that happened before this right and was that a, was that a good experience for you well um so, on one hand, I was kind of like, wow, I can't believe that they actually have the balls to go there. Mm -hmm. As I said in the, our last Jedi talk, you know, I'm I'm glad that Ryan Johnson had the nerve to burn the motherfucker down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like, so I went to this place. So, um. I'm going to go off on a little tangent here. So a long time ago, there was a book published called Grendel's by John Gardner. And you will get the same sense if you've read that book 
if you watch this. And the, the quote that is pertinent to this is, it would be for me, mere pointless pleasure, an illusion of order for this one frail, foolish flicker flash in the long fall of eternity. Hmm. And that's, wow. that's what the MCU that's feels to me right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I feel like I'm kind of like still grappling with that and where I fall on the like, do I love that they did? did this? Do I hate that they did this? I feel like I kind of love that they did this, mm-hmm. but I also kind of hate it. Mm. So again, it's complicated. complicated. Yes. So it's it's truly this this weird flicker flash. <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 definitely that Grendel Alien 3 moment for me. Okay. Um where Everything, no matter how hard you try and strive, and even if this is the one way that Strange saw Mm -hmm. that they could win, Mm -hmm. (laughs) for what? And I I don't know. I don't know, man. Because you see at the end, you you see Thanos at the end with his gauntlet looking at the sunset like he did. And you sort of see, and you can't tell because, God, CGI face. But he starts to crumble himself. (laughs) So I'm just like, Wait, crumble as in disappear? Well, he he starts to get some cracks on the texture of his skin. I did not notice that. I don't know if that was alluding to... Him being in that 50-50 shot of whether the gauntlet was going to take him or not. I did not notice so that. Now so is it I'm sort of almost like, like the spinning top at the end of Inception or something? Yes. I didn't <laughs> notice that. That's a That makes a huge difference with I the ending of that I also definitely film. did not notice that either. Okay. Must need to see so, this again. So I'm just like... That changes everything. Was I making that up? Was that crappy CGI? <laughs> what was, was that CG face? The computers just like, ran out of RAM right what, then and there. What is what is going? So that's just added to like this whole this whole like oh my god did they actually win? <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, so I can see why yeah. you, you would have such a crisis because I I missed that. That's that's really this is why I'm having a breakdown. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you made the Last Jedi comparison because that's where I was going with it to say that's how I felt. Oh, yeah. I'm high-fiving you all the way down to Florida. (laughs) That's exactly where I was going with it. Um, But I'm not ambivalent over (laughs) whether I love it or hate it. Um, I know. I only have one side of that. Okay. Um, (laughs) uh, I should stop. I'll let you guys talk. (laughs) No, this is great. (laughs) This is like the most I've talked on it this is. podcast ever. It is. It's great. <laughs> uh, the fans are going to love it. You wait and see. Um, oh, jeez. Marty, what what do you think about, did this film succeed or fail in reaching its goals, the goals you think that it's trying to do, trying to reach? Well, I mean, you know, box office forecasts of the last couple of weeks, there, I, I saw a lot of places kind of tentatively trying to brace us for you know it's not necessarily going to top the opening weekend of, of yeah. the force awakens so kind of yeah. manage your expectations you know it's still actually an estimate this this sure. number but it's likely yeah. going to cross the 250 million mark um yeah. which i don't know whatever someone might say that that's clearly a big goal for kevin feige sure. and, and the whole team there so i 
I would have to say it's meeting its box office goals. It has to also be meeting its sort of uh, buzz building or mm-hmm. kind of social media excitement goals. Um, otherwise, in terms of uh, th- this sort of being maybe the final proof of concept of of this kind of 10-year interconnected cinema experiment, mm-hmm. I guess I sort of feel the way I, I, I felt of about the last several MCU films, which is, it's a little bit of a smoke and mirrors to me. And again, I, I you guys know where I fall. I fall in kind of a weird spot. Um, you know, 93% of the people on uh, Rotten Tomatoes like it, it seems like. But uh, I don't know. I kind of think they keep punting it down the road. And I know that this was always going to be part one of a two-part saga. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, I have every reason to believe at the end of that film, there will be more punting down the road. And that's, uh, that's kind of how all these films have been working. And, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that people are excited that all these plot lines are coming together. But when you look at the plot lines, they're from, for my money, really simple ideas. Oh, there are these powerful stones and it was enough where it could really buy them time um, to not have to kind of pay off the full extent of that story till now. And for me, Thanos wasn't the Thanos that I thought I had met briefly in the other films and which is, which is fine. I mean, I think you should take the approach that uh, best serves the story at hand, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I kind of wonder about the, uh, what it means for the ramifications of actually connecting all these worlds. I've kind of suspected for several years that there isn't really much there. And it's uh, a lot of big promises and kind of punting it down to the next movie. And I guess I kind of feel that way about this film. Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, well, you've left that blank. Do you, or are you just like, uh, I have no idea what's going on. I, <laughs> I have a fear of like bringing too much negativity because I have the, I really don't like to be negative And I feel like the internet is so full of people like, there's so many things about like a million reasons why this sucks and why this is terrible. I hear you. And one of the reasons we started underscore was to celebrate the things that we love about film music. Mm -hmm. And so I, I personally feel just like guilty whenever I'm being negative, but I was not, your opinion is valid. I was just not a fan of um, this film, but not in a way that necessarily surprised me. It kind of like the things that I didn't like about it were the things that I didn't like about the previous Marvel films. But what I will say is that the things that I liked about it were things that I definitely didn't get in other Marvel films. Like, I actually really liked all of the balls that the movie had of just, like, killing people off and stuff. And it kind of... I actually would have liked it to be more concrete. Like, because I feel like they set up kind of a cool thing where every single character in this film has had some backstory or exposition in a previous movie. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like there are so many films where a lot of main characters die, but it's very hard to have a film where a lot of main characters die that you actually care about and mm-hmm. have had some investment into it. Yeah. But I still feel like as much as people died in this film, I don't think they took advantage as much as they could have, of like all the characters that they've done. Like I, I, the moment that I was ready to like really get invested and actually start to really care was when I thought that Thanos was going to kill Tony Stark when he stabbed Mm -hmm. that thing Mm -hmm. through his chest. I'm like, Holy shit. Like 
Tony Stark, he's like one of the few people that I actually like mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. series. And like, if he dies, you know, he's been the heart and soul of this franchise. Like, that's going to be such a major blow. And then he didn't really die. And not that I wanted him to die, but, but like, that would have made me so much more invested, I feel like. And just I some of the like things that I don't is know. so much more tragic, though. That he didn't die? Because. That he didn't die because he goes through all of this. He gets stabbed. You think he's going to die. And then he becomes the last man standing. Like strange sacrifices himself for Tony, yeah. basically. Yeah. And he sacrifices the universe he has, for him. Yeah, he sees this. He has, you know, his mentee crumble in his arms, apologizing yeah. for disappointing yeah, him that was brutal. so much as he withers away into dust. And Tony is witnessing all of it, and he has to hold on to all of that mm-hmm. with him and his ego and having survived the first attack on New York and the trauma that came with that in Iron Man 3, mm-hmm. this is going to mess him up I guess the, the, the cynical part of me, though, it's like when all of the crumbling deaths, I felt yeah. like, okay, none of them are they're actually none. dead. Exactly. Because they're going to be brought back. Cause sure. Black Panther made so much money and it sure. just came out. Like, they're definitely going to have another Black Panther and they're definitely going to have another Spider-Man. Well, they're already working on the other Spider-Man. Sure. I mean, so I actually it's, kind it's, of wonder. They, they already me, have It's hard for me to really somewhere. believe that, like, any of those characters are actually right. dead, which I feel like is a missed opportunity. And even with Loki, they, they make sure to make that joke about, like, well, he's been dead before, but I think this time it's real. That, that kind of almost ruins, like, how powerful of a moment it is to like have your brother killed in front of you when when they kind of know that people die and then they can get brought back to life. I, yeah. I well, never I, felt like any of the deaths, I never knew if they were actually permanent. And to me, that's a weakness in a film that can actually exploit having a low point in um, the hero's journey of like having all these characters die. Like I think if they were gonna kill off, you know, if they wanted to kill off Spider-Man or any of the characters that disintegrated, they should have actually killed them in a, like a brutal way that was serious. And then it would have been like, oh my God, I never saw that coming. Where to me, everything that happened at the end, I was kind of like, what? The movie's over? Well, I guess they'll have to undo that somehow in the next sure. film. Exactly. You know, I mean, right. I kind that of... was I... more shocking for me though, because it wasn't sure. violent. They just kind of... Right. They just kind of got blown away by wind and it was just well i kind of i kind of wonder Kristen, if you won't have the mirror experience that you did you know uh you talked about the opening of this film almost discounting uh the hard-won victory of ragnarok and Mm -hmm. i think we'll have the mirror thing the hard-won tragedy of this film will be probably somewhat meaningless as we go forward i mean that's just my yeah my guess we yeah we do uh talk about theories later in this rundown but i do agree with you on that 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 will happen yeah yeah i i am uh i think the the farther i get away from my first viewing i think they were actually more successful in reaching goals that they were setting for this film than i originally felt or thought um I, as I've already mentioned, I didn't really dig the ending for some of the reasons you guys have brought up because I didn't buy 
that all these people were gone and dead. I, I believe some of them are. I do believe Loki's dead. I do believe Gamora is dead. Um, Vision, I believe, is dead. I think the people who died mm-hmm. before the Great Dust Bowl uh, was are, <laughs> are genuinely dead. Not that right. they couldn't no, I come back, you. but I do think they're dead. The dust people, I imagine, will most of them, if not all of them, will be back. Um, I, I could see Gamora coming back, actually. I mean, just the way... Uh, it's possible. Unfortunately, that that was something that had been spoiled for me. And as I was going into it, oh, the, no. the camera really doesn't linger. There's, uh, but she I mean, obviously you're affected leg. by <laughs> the, the... the shock of it. Well, and also the at the end, we see Thanos go into is yes. this sort of like an afterlife kind of environment, and Gamora's there. But then, yeah. like Kristen was saying, the final shot of the film is clearly not in that sort of cosmic afterlife space. And Thanos is, so I, I don't, I don't know who's, who's to say, I, again, the kind of business cynical side, I, it'd be hard to believe that there won't be another guardians film. Um, there will, there are no, there, there definitely will. Confirmed. Yeah. You know, and I don't know that that franchise kind of works without Zoe. So I gotta say, I'm not a fan of the fact that this is why I don't like a lot of the Marvel Studios films, is they fall into the same narrative traps that comic books fall into, and I think that's a weakness of that medium. The idea that they keep bringing people back sure. just so that they can sell more comics. Like it it's like it falls into like the sort of cheapness of like television traps, like tune in next week when this'll happen. And right. it doesn't make things feel like a like I want a film to be a piece of art with a frame, a beginning, a middle, an end, and then it's that. And not that I don't like sequels and things that continue, but I, in general, I prefer like a self-contained story. So I just think the idea of like an interconnected universe is just not really like for me. And those were the things that always confused me about comic books is like, I remember I had this one, um, uh, cause I loved Superman as a kid where Superman dies, but then it mm-hmm. was like explained to me when I was reading it, like, oh yeah, they brought him back. I'm like, well, why kill him? If you just bring him back, sure. it defeats the whole purpose of killing someone. If, if death is meaningless and can be undone, all of the tension and drama, like dissolves for me and so even if they just bring back the dissolved like not no pun intended the like disintegrated people and keep loki dead it's like if they have the ability to bring people back to life why not bring everyone back to life why not bring martin luther king jr back to life like (laughs) what i don't understand why you would just stop at the star trek into darkness problem (laughs) (laughs) no seriously it's like just kind of i also feel like an, an existential crisis thing where it's like what are the priorities of the people in the universe? I don't know. You know, I've got another odd theory, uh, just kind of processing it in real time with the film, which is um, they they cleared out this large slate of characters and actors, and they did it in the spirit of, oh, uh, like, jaw to the floor, I can't believe they, they made that choice, and it's tr- tragic and it's sad, but it's also possibly very smart in that, part two won't have this giant stable of characters to juggle and as we notice the original avengers are mostly still alive and intact mm-hmm. i could actually see this all going the other way where part two is really the swan song to the high paid highest profile original actors and they're actually going could to be. meet their permanent end at the end of could at the be. end of this and of course and- tom holland is going to be okay and of course chadwick 
Bozeman's going to be all and right. And we do have a, our final segment's going to be on our predictions for Avengers 4 and its score. Um, so you can dive even further into that then. Uh, in terms of the goals, as I was talking about, is I do think that they hit many of the goals that they set for this film. And the main one being, we're going to put a capstone on the last 10 years. At least we're going to start to put, start to put a capstone on these 10 years, these 18 movies. And we're going to pay them off. And that's it. Um, because the way we jump into this film, it's like, if you ain't watched Thor Ragnarok and Guardians of the Galaxy, you're, you're just tough. Um, even the end credit <laughs> scene for uh, Thor Ragnarok, which I didn't understand when I saw it. I was like, well, what's that big ship that just right, came this in literally picks up like, right after that? that. So now, and then I saw this, I'm like, oh, that's what's going on. So it made that part mm-hmm. make sense and, and was better. But then he still like killed most of all the yeah. people in that time in between that post credit scene and this. Yes. Which is fine. I mean, we get it. We get what happened. <laughs> Basically, he did to them what he did to Hulk and Loki and everyone else. Um, so I think that's what that's what they were going for. It's like we're not recapping anything for you. We're paying off um, Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor, Iron Man, and so on and so forth. And that's what we're doing here. And to me, that's pretty gutsy um, because of the amount of people who are going to go into that and just be like. I am completely lost. This is ridiculous. I hate it. They didn't care. It's like, we're just ending this thing, or at least starting to end it. And I have hope. I have real hope that th- that some deaths are going to stick, um, and significant ones. Uh, and again, we'll talk about this in our final segment uh, at the end. But I-, I have hopes for that. And I think, the fr- again, the further I get away from it, the more I get the feeling of, okay, I think they know what they're doing I may not like exactly how they executed everything, like exactly where they where they ended it. And except if Christian, you're right, and he's crumbling in that final shot, that changes my reaction to the end because I could feel it yeah, coming. I need to see it. And I, I said, need to see it. I said out loud, "Not here. Don't end it here." Just like I did with, <laughs> I think it was um, uh, Desolation of Smaug. <laughs> I was like, "No, <laughs> not here. Not now." Just I five mean, more minutes, please. Exactly, and just like okay, uh, but this was worse than that than than smile. Yeah, again. my audience actually kind of groaned. Yeah, uh, when it cut to the cut to the director credit. Yes. Oh man, mine was dead silence. <laughs> like the whole movie, the entire movie was dead silence. Wow. Yeah, mine was pretty quiet until uh, we're in spoilers. Until Black Panther got dusted, and then there was a row behind me that was like. Oh no, they didn't! <laughs> like I just started laughing because they were like, "No, you can't do that." <laughs> yeah, that not. that one kind of pissed me off because I'm like, "What? He's this? Everyone's been talking about this character, and that movie was so cool, and oh, right. and he just disintegrates in like a the 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 girl who was there. I I can't remember her character's name, but like the expression on her face when he disappears was like what I was thinking. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, she was what, all of us. Did that just happen? <laughs> what? But see, that's what furthered my just knowledge that these aren't permanent. I mean, if they didn't do him, I mean, because it's like it's like, come on, you know. I mean, in a meta context, you know, there's just no way that he can be gone. It just doesn't make any sense to uh, to dust those particular people. It would have meant more. Well, I mean, if, if the they gun has the power to like to. rewind time, of course. And he, I mean, it, but then you could. I don't know. I it's mean, like too much power for me. The, the gauntlet 
itself presents a zillion problems. And you either you can buy what they're selling in terms of the narrative here or you can't. Because you can think well, that's why they had to stop him from putting it together because it's a zillion problems. But from the storytelling perspective, it's like, well, if you can do everything, <laughs> if you're om- omnipotent, um, you can, can control time, you control so I mean, you can do anything, you can figure a different solution out to your problem other than removing half of the universe, right? You can do anything, so that and they're having- also, a- yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry, oh no, just that I think the MCU is in a stakes sort of bottleneck problem. Um, I mean, and that's just kind of a blockbuster thing in general, which is like, we kind of keep raising the stakes and, you know, it's a big joke. Like how many times can the world be destroyed or or threatened? This is kind of as big as anything could ever get in terms of stakes, right? Pretty much. Other than Um, like, we will blow up multiple universes in the multiverse or or other, other than like pointing or pointing at the audience and saying like, we're going to hurt you physically. I don't know. Um, yeah. This is what comics do when they get to this point. DC has their crisis series mm. whenever this happens. Right. This is this is sort of in a similar vein. Let me ask you guys another question. Um, what expectations did you have of this film that were subverted? Did- <laughs> <laughs> the maniacal laugh. That is a great laugh, by the way. <laughs> everything <laughs> which <laughs> just <laughs> i i went in practically spoiler free um but expectations you had to have some gosh i i mean i went in thinking okay like robert downey jr has wanted out of this for a while yes. so when right. he was stabbed i was like okay yes this is that, yep. but it wasn't right. okay. Chris Evans has wanted out of this for a while. He's gonna go. Nope, Bucky goes. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, it just it completely flipped me. Like I, I don't know. Okay, uh, Marty or Will, were there I any expectations know. you had that were subverted? Definitely the uh, score, yeah. I sort of expected to maybe be a little bit more, um, I don't know, in like the style of modern movies. Like really? It, I had the experience that I had when I was like, I don't know, watching The Force Awakens or like The Last Jedi score where it's like, I feel like I'm watching a modern movie, but I'm hearing this kind of like more traditional old school John Williams score. And it, I kind of, I really like that, but it was not what I expected. I felt that way about this movie too, where I'm like, this is a modern action film and there's all this rich like woodwind writing and it's just very classical and any big moment is done in like a traditional symphonic way that doesn't need like tons of overdubs and mm-hmm. and maybe the result no, of that is it felt kind of small experience <laughs> it, i mean i don't this is the score is pretty much exactly what i expected from Zuvestri because of what he did in Avengers. It's like, it's going to be Avengers. And that's what it is. So maybe that helps me in my appreciation of the film and the score more than others, because I expected it to be a typical Sylvester score, which it kind of is to me. Um, and yeah, so that was a expectation that wasn't subverted. Although, you know, I do admit, I did expect a little more, I did expect a little more, 
um, thematic inclusion. Uh, no, come on. We were never going to no, get no, that. No, I just said a little. I didn't say like we, every we were, single character's theme. I'm just saying. The closest we were going to get to that is Age of Ultron when they included Brian Tyler's Iron Man 3 I theme. did expect to hear. That, that is the Cap- very closest we were I, going I, to get. I, well, I did not expect Black Panther. So that's the kind of thing that surprised me. It's like, oh, if you're going there, <laughs> what are you going to do? You know what I mean? Um, I mean, I, I think that we might. I could see us kind of agreeing here. Um, maybe not to single out the MCU, but a, a lot of major films maybe aren't taking advantage of the thematic potential, the commercial potential of of really uh, standing behind your thematic material as far as mm. franchises go. It's pretty much like Star Wars, it's well understood and it's sacred. Everybody else, it's like... Uh, it's it's really uh hit or miss and um i don't know i i wouldn't be surprised if uh we hear uh ludwig Göransson's music because i imagine that soundtrack is selling better than any mcu soundtrack has sold in uh, you know uh, in a long time are you talking um, about the score w- or the score or the yeah, soundtrack the s- Oh, I mean, the soundtrack is obviously selling well, but the score is actually selling quite well as well. Hmm. Um, they haven't marketed it as well. That's that's really good. Uh, I mean, I I read something about the the or even just the ringtone of that that trumpet. Um, you know, basically the cue that we kind of get in mm-hmm. the uh, yeah in here. And actually, I don't think this I don't think this orchestra is playing it. I think it was a needle drop. I uh, think it, it was, was yes. too. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyways, it, it as far as those go, I think that I think that works. I was a little surprised, uh, I guess, not to hear uh, any Giacchino material, though. I don't think uh, I mean, uh, especially that that we didn't get to hear his music in the, the logo, uh, which I really love mm-hmm. uh, his like Marvel Studios logo music. Uh, but when but thinking back to it, um, a, a lot of it just has to do with the opportunities that the film presents, you know, is there a really big hero moment that lasts, you know, eight to 10 seconds for these guys. And it's an interesting movie. They have to squeeze so much in there. Um, I really like the, I think it shows to kind of reveal the like chromatic presentation of the theme, the, Mm -hmm. I like that being tied to, yeah, that was really a cool moment. And, I yeah. love that theme. The I think yep. that's great. Yep. And his kind of Avengers theme is like the Superman theme where it kind of has two different melodic motifs. There's mm-hmm. the bum 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 and then there's also So he kind of like introduces those at different times for different like heroes. So he kind of almost uses yeah, those like light. It was kind of nice. Spider Man got know. a really nice moment with that Avengers fanfare, but there was a little more of like an animated string and woodwind thing behind it as he's uh, he's kind of slinging through New York, and um, so yeah, I was I was enjoying s- some of that, but uh, and uh, I guess we can we could get into that Hollywood Reporter article or not, but it it does seem like there was maybe clear intention not to to maybe play favorites with character themes and so it's like okay it's going to be about the avengers theme and it's really yeah. going to be about thanos i mean it's thanos's yeah, it's movie thanos's more movie. than anyone else absolutely and right. uh the material for him i mean i think that's that was maybe the highlight of the score for me um 
the the Thanos material, and that's mm-hmm. probably also what's surprising about it, which is that yes. it's not bombastic. Yes, it's uh, elegiac. It's uh, tragic. Yes, um, and it's yeah, it's not it's not very sort of uh, fortissimo and kind of what would what would be expected. And that was a huge subversion for me. I mean, I knew Thanos would have a theme, but I didn't expect it to be that, and I did not expect them to make Thanos so sympathetic, more sympathetic than the big bad guy who wants to destroy everything, which is most all other movies. Um, And so that was a subversion that at first was like, this is weird. But again, more time, the more I am uh, am, am appreciating it and why the changes to him, even design wise and digitally, I mean, he looks, he he has more expression in his face uh, of a Josh Brolin, kind of look than he did in the previous, even though he had a helmet on, you didn't really get to see him very well, but there's just a lot more sympathy I think we can have for him than uh, that I have for him than I had anticipated. And that was kind of a welcome subversion because I thought it could be kind of boring if he was just the one note, I'm the big bad that you've been dreading and now I'm going to do all the things that you expected me to do because that's why I'm here. I mean, I sort of felt like he, he was still one note, but it was maybe more of like a sensitive really? note. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, yeah, I don't know. For me, mission. it just... For me, it just doesn't work. It's yeah, but I'm gonna. There's some complexity pull- to him in that he didn't, uh, you know, he was, when he was talking with Tony Stark, he was like, "Man, I hate to have to kill you, basically, because I basically like you, you know." And there's just some dimension to him that you know, just. It I mean, just that tells, all ties into the his like primary mission, which is I'm sure. supposedly going to make the universe a better place by sure. cutting half of life everywhere because of the resources. shade of that is what's interesting to well, me. There are actual cults you know that are that that are like that there are death cults like the uh the church of euthanasia from back in the 90s Mm. where their basic their uh slogan was something like save the earth kill yourself Mm -hmm. and where it was all about population control uh and you know they were just really gross but uh, that's what he reminded me of Mm, like this sort of like crazy like i i am the good guy doing the good thing and i have this great vision Mm -hmm. and it's this super crazy horrible thing Mm -hmm. that's going to fix everything Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it it just was something that was subverted for me because i didn't think there would be the dimension that he does have in my opinion i didn't expect to see it there and um and that shows through in his in his theme um and i appreciate he just that. really loves the universe I guess, I guess. it's just so weird to me it's like yeah i'm in my corner He's of the universe but dreamer. it really bothers you know i'm just such a nice guy that it bothers me that there's imbalance in planets light years away and so i well, need to rid them of that I, I don't know it just it really didn't work for me but i hate to take it to this place but if you've like if you listen to some people who are like concern trolls like oh i'm so concerned about the future of this country or the future of this world and you know like there's sort of you can't tell if they're disingenuous or not but we also wouldn't depict those people as really sensitive and that we would relate to those people yeah but in their mind like you're you're they're depicting thanos as he sees himself and it's almost like the music is 
like how he sees yeah. himself. Yeah, that's good. It's I weird. Definitely agree with that. It's really yeah. weird to me because this whole thing's very operatic. Yes. And I thought maybe it would be, you know, more of a I don't I mean, know. His relationship like a with thing. Gamora was I did not I knew they would pay that off on some level, but I didn't expect the, this level. And Zoe Saldana's God, acting was pretty She's terrific. Gut-wrenching. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I felt nothing for that oh, scene. Oh, I did. But... I definitely felt for her. And I've not seen her do that. She hadn't done anything like that in any of the Guardians films. And so that surprised me that that it was that it went there and that there was that kind of emotion in it, um, which I appreciated. I did love that scene, how they come up to, and it's a red skull. Yes. And he's basically trapped there yeah. because he loves no one. He has nothing. Yeah. That was a surprise. I, I was I, like, oh, oh let's go. gosh, I loved that. <laughs> um, there is something. And of course, she assumes Thanos is going to be trapped there, too. Sure. Nay, nay. Sure. I mean, you knew something. You knew it right. was coming, but she didn't know it was coming. Um, there is something in the score that no one I've seen yet talk about. And it could be a coincidence, but I don't think it is. Um, Silvestri does seem to pay homage to Henry Jackman's Civil War theme. Um, you hear it several times throughout. The f- place I first identified it in was the track Undying Fidelity. And you hear this that Civil War descending motif. Dun, 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 dun. Now, again, with those kinds of notes, it definitely yeah, could be a coincidence. It's so elemental, it's tough to but, say. I, I mean, that's I know they a little did, bit, I know they didn't, a bit uh, much to not have... To, for that to be a coincidence. I mean, I mean they Civil did they War. didn't include it in in the credits. Um Ludwig Göransson's They didn't. No, they theme didn't. is the o- is the only thing that's but um it's there mentioned. several times throughout the score and and I I would to like to, to that. believe that it's that it that he really did did include that. Um cuz I one I enjoy that theme, that motif quite a bit and how how Jackman built it up within that film up until the big the big clash at the airport. Um I thought that was done really well, and so to hear it pop up was 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 fun for me. Um, hopefully, it's not a coincidence, though. Um, there's also in the track "Travel Days." There's a literal dun dun dun, which I laughed at. I when noticed I heard that it. my girlfriend laughed in the theater at that moment. <laughs> I thought that was there pretty was, hilarious. There was a point where there was a like a little snippet. That and this is so weird. It reminded me of the First Order theme, mm. you know. Um, I know what you're talking about. I, yeah, yeah. Was it <laughs> the, in that first scene when they were on the ship or something? No, no. It was let's see. Um, my in my notes, it is right before the Guardians are introduced. Hmm. Mm. I didn't, I didn't um, pick up on that. It's right before the space scene oh oh um, yeah i definitely there was a moment where i was feeling kind of like oh that almost sounds like you know kylo ren or something yeah there's there's a point where it goes like dun, dun, and it's almost like dun, 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 dun. right <laughs> and i i, I kept on mentally trying was, to make it there was one moment way. where i was again just kind of surprised at the orchestration just because it was not what i was expecting in the first scene there was this moment when they were panning over like one, I think it was like looking at Loki's face or something when he was dead. And they there was like mm. this glockenspiel and it was like yeah, this kind I mean. of really light orchestration. And I, I don't know, that really surprises me. It's just not the mm. kind of thing that 
I, I'm so used to uh, scenes like that in modern films being scored like only with the bottom half of the orchestra and to literally get the opposite of that and not in like an eerie strings or like shrill piccolo way in like a, I don't know, the, I've never heard the glockenspiel kind of sound gossamer and like creepy <coughs> like that. So that, yeah. I don't know, I kind of enjoyed that moment. That didn't stick out to me, but I look forward to to paying attention to it. Um, I also next. really love uh there's the uh just before the the rolling credits um you know we get one last look at the title and the title mm-hmm. itself dissolves into dust mm-hmm. and there's a lovely little sort of piano solo piano rendition yeah. of the Oh yeah, that's theme. nice. Yeah. Uh I thought that was that was a, a standout for me. Absolutely. I I do like a lot of his his action work as when he goes into that kind of contact style of the strings and the momentum of it and the tension. I, yeah. I've, I loved it since contact whenever he uses it, he uses it quite a bit here. Um, uh, one particular track, uh, he won't come out. Uh, it's used quite effectively and I enjoy that. I mean, it's not, it's not something you hum or something you stand up and cheer over, but I, it's very effective in the, in the atmosphere that it creates. And, um, and so I appreciate that too, within his, within his score. Well, and I actually think watching the film and, and again, um, I maybe had a strange experience cause I was so honed in on the score, but I really didn't hear a lot of, uh, open plateaus for music to really come, come to the fore. I mean, mm. I, I know I said, and maybe you guys don't agree, but to me it was a very talky movie. Um, and it, I mean, as every film composer knows, it's working around dialogue is sure. you're always, you're of service to the dialogue. Um, and even in, you know, a lot of the action material, we kind of bounce back and forth between characters and, and planets. Um, I do think the the moments where he had some runway, I felt he really took advantage of it. Uh, but it was difficult in this, in this kind of a movie. And, and maybe it's an unprecedented kind of movie to have to score, to be honest. I, I mean, the, like the narrative structure and all of that that we were talking about earlier, it just doesn't have that structure. It's just not... A, it's just a different, a different beast in terms of structure. And that's what was to me was so engaging because I was like being jerked back and forth and left and right and up and down. I'm just like, ah, I, I, I don't know what's really going on. Well, here. and I definitely never expected <laughs> when it, it cuts ended. to credits for like an Avengers movie for it to be this like tragic funereal yeah. string music. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I remember sitting in the theater of the first Avengers and then hearing that theme. And honestly, my I like it now, but at the time being a little disappointed, I'm like, Alan Silvestri, this is the guy who wrote Back to the Future and this theme just seems so basic. But I remember like my moment... W- being struck by the theme in the first Avengers movie was during that same moment in the credits. And then here, you know, all these years later, that same moment in this film. And it's like this tragic kind of twisted string music. And I'm just like, this feels like music for such a serious kind of like, I don't know, movie about real people. And it doesn't necessarily communicate that this is like a, you know, comic book, kind of film so that was one of the things that i really liked about it that the score really took the drama seriously and wasn't kind of at an arm's length or trying it wasn't too concerned with making it feel like fun and actiony and epic like it was more about the human and the human part of it and like the relationships part of the emotions yeah 
Yeah, it it was a surprise. It was definitely. So I did not expect this film to be a downer. Um, I, I thought it would. Le- I thought there would be a cliffhanger, but I didn't think it would be a downer. <laughs> and it was. It was no <laughs> doubt a serious downer, which I appreciate. I like that the tone of it is so different and left us in such a different place than any of the other. Uh, MCU films have, and I appreciate the, the their their the guts it took to do that and to put a story together. That's, I mean, you could call it messy and sloppy and a lot of negative things, um, but uh, it's still gutsy, and and I'm and I'm coming to appreciate it more as I as I think about it. Um, you can't give it a lot of credit for following a proper <laughs> narrative structure, but. That's okay, I think, if that's if they go in with the intent of not following a uh, that typical structure, that's okay. Um, and so it makes what Avengers Four is going to be all the more interesting. Um, and we're going to talk about that too. Any other thoughts about the score before before we move on, and how it worked within the film, or even as a separate standalone listen? Uh, well, I'm definitely looking forward to listen to you know listening again and again. And I've got to say, just in general, I'm so excited that we have two uh, almost complete releases of a Silvestri score uh, so so close together. Very that true. two disc Ready Player One was a big surprise, yeah, uh, at least for me when that came out. And like you like you mentioned, there's an extended version of this score. Uh, so that's that's certainly a trend I'd love to see continue. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to doing closer listen of this um, because the theater certainly did not <laughs> do it any justice. Um, and the first Avengers movie had so many clever little interplays that I loved as soon as I heard a closer listen, which added so much to the movie for me. So I'm hoping to uncover some of those. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. Uh, you know, and I gave... Sylvester, a little flack for this when we reviewed the Avengers. I don't know if I did a written review or if that was on the podcast or both, which could have been problematic for this too, because you know if anyone was going to get a theme quote, it was going to be Cap, of course, right? And he, of course, doesn't. Um, which <laughs> right. which <laughs> that was is kind of interesting. And not well, he's surprising. not really he's well, not really Cap now. He's Nomad. Exactly. Um, which, yeah. but still, I. If no one else got a theme quote and he would have here too, I would have had a problem with that. I think it's so hard because his theme is so old school and like sounding like a... They could have treated it. I just imagine that was like a dilemma for him. They take Henry Jackman's cap theme, you know, which he wasn't going to do. Or it very well could be, guys, that there's such a clever and interpolation of Could it be. that no one's catching it yet that it's some kind of harmonic but if you interpolation do that, it's like <laughs> that's cool for you and marty and Kristen and will and but you know for regular folks like me it's like oh that's cool but i would have certainly liked to have been able to pick that but again up it's one of those things you have to look at the i think you have to look at the moments and you have to look at the medium it's like okay where was the runway where there was a really nice stretch of cap that really would have called well, for it and i imagine if we're re-watching the movie specifically looking for that we'd probably agree it's like tonally you know yeah, what and that he doesn't do anything right. there I, I i'm sorry but there's this is a mother problem that i have with this movie is like i don't feel like people do anything like the superheroes don't do a lot of like traditional heroic things in no, the movie like they're getting to me 
<laughs> well, no, but like they don't They're like save time. someone from a burning building or they don't like help an innocent bystander. And to me, that yeah. that Captain America theme should be playing over. Thank you, Captain America. Bum, 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 bum. You know, it's just like, yay, people applauding. It's so heroic and noble. And like Captain America is kind of a dick in this movie and it's like <laughs> just really angry and like. I don't know. I, I kind of just think post-Civil War, you can't really, yeah, I don't know, use a traditional Henry hero theme. theme now. It's that's the, that's the theme that describes Cap now. I mean, like that theme or not, um, that's the modern Cap. Um, so, there, but, you know, the, the, the point when they do, when he does get that big moment and they use the Avengers theme, you know, you could have used a version of, Sylvester's cap theme if you want it um, I don't think so at all because if you think of that sequence it's like the the build up to that cue we we get that kind of that James Bondy ostinato from Avengers and, and it's he's the, like in the shadows and stuff yeah and it's it's not the reveal of of Steve Rogers only it's also Black Widow and it's uh and it's the, yeah this whole sort of team thing so I thought there was a moment I, when I don't it was know these things cap. are tough and, and there are was, definitely moments when it's just cap, but are they? And they play the. Does Avengers the music? Does, does the music call for that? You know. I mean, it's the the reason that sticks in my mind is because the moment is is played as this big heroic reveal, right? And it's the tone of that was this is pretty much the same as uh, Captain America's, and maybe not quite as Americana as uh, the original Cap theme, but. They could it could have worked. I mean, with with at least in my opinion, um, you're talking about when he steps out of the shadows. No, not that. There, there's another. There's another place. I don't know if it's like during the final battle. I can't remember now. But there's a moment where it's him doing something and coming to the fore, and they play the Avengers theme, big and bold as it can possibly be pay, played. And it's like you could have used his theme right there a few notes but i imagine that's kind of the ethos of the movie right is that it's like this is about the the team dynamic and so there's no there's no single hero and really the only individual that gets to stand out is is the villain um well and black panther but i still feel like the black panther to me like what i was struck with in the score was was less the melody parts of it and more like the um the like drums and the whole sound of and it, trumpets, I feel like was uh, yeah. more important than necessarily like a theme. To me, that wasn't like light motif. That was like, we're in Wakanda True. and this yes. is kind of the sound palette of, yeah. you know, that. Yeah. Uh, you, you're pro- you're, I'm sure you're right. Uh, it did stick out though. I mean, it's, yeah, definitely. Like it stuck out. Um, yeah. So it just makes you think that they could have done more. And I bring up cap specifically, cause that's been one of the ones one of the more talked about themes that were not used uh, in the film. And I do I'm, feel like in I'm general, okay that's such a missed it. opportunity for movies in general. Like I, sure. I totally feel that way about the old star Trek films where it's like Jerry Goldsmith writes a theme and then James Horner writes a new theme. And then when Jerry Goldsmith comes back, he's like, screw the James Horner theme. I'm going back to my <laughs> theme. It's like, right. Everyone writes their own stuff, but it would be so cool. Cause like for the, Star Trek, there are so many melodies, so many great melodies that have been written for that universe that I feel like there's so much potential for using and manipulating. And I just, I feel that way all the time. And I think maybe some of the Marvel films don't have as many like 
distinct memorable melodies to choose from, but there are definitely a lot of great ones. And so I kind of, I, I definitely hear what you're saying, Christopher, where it would have been really nice to hear some of those. Cause that's kind of like, there haven't been a lot of movies like this that bring so many right. different characters that all have distinct themes into one situation, you know, I but think I think it they... also kind of reflects Al Silvestri's personality, you know, and he's more of a humble guy. I mean, even in ready player one, there's a story that Spielberg had to really twist his arm. He's like, no, I want basically that cue from back to the future DeLorean reveal. Like, like, could you do it please? Yeah. And there's a, I mean, we all remember there's a criticism with the first Avengers where it's like, Oh, where's the captain America m- music? It was you know, in there. And it's, uh, I mean, it was a, definitely in there. a little in bit, there. but, uh, but it's, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I recall getting in arguments with people where they, they were wanting or expecting a, a lot more of that material. Oh, I did. And I did. I expected more. Oh, you mean of cap? <laughs> it, no. Yeah. Even in the first Avengers. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. you I didn't expect more of cap. I, ex- I was hoping for more of the other, since cap got a, a, a quote, I was expecting or hoping that Thor might get a Doyle quote. Or, mm-hmm. um, well, I don't know how you would work Ramin Javadi's Iron Man in there, but you could have. There's there's ways. Yeah, um, you could have. I he mean, did it, write distinct music for Black Widow, though. True. Right. True. That's true. I mean, it's interesting, though. Like, it, I think we'd all be scratching our heads to to find a good example of what we're talking about in modern mm. well, in modern films, where a new composer is inheriting. Um, true like inheriting some kind of franchise and actually honoring that every sequel i can think of where composers ch- it changes hands mm-hmm. I, I feel like they're they're writing new they're writing new thematics elfman stuff. using sylvestri in age of ultra sure but i mean yeah you're and right also tyler that's right he, he used iron man 3 that's right Yep. Yeah, you're right though it doesn't have enough but that's why with this film well, but I tyler using some... his own material though you're saying no, no, Elfman, Elfman uses Tyler's material. Oh, sure. Although that that score is such yeah. a behind the scenes, yeah, kind of it's disaster. It's both of them on the score, but it was specifically an Elfman pen track that used it. It was, sure. it was so which is weird. great though. It's like, <laughs> I mean, why can't they? Why can't this happen more? I think with this film, because of its <clears throat> unprecedentedness um, of being what it is and capping off these eighteen films that. It's like, will you pull out the last stop and quote like these themes from all of these yeah. other, you know, d- if you're ever going to do it, now's the time to do it. Now, maybe they do with it. In but it, it does require the film writing. to set up was, those moments, though. With some really clever so. writing, I think they could have woven something in I there. I do, too. Especially, they, they could have done something with Loki's motif from Dark World, or... I mean, I but I'm looking for, I mean, the side ones, yeah, but the the big ones, the ones, I mean, yeah. the thing now, though, Thor are, has who, three themes, so who knows? Not to but. be cynical, but who's really going to, like, notice no, that, right. unfortunately? Ooh, 99% you know, of the Stones have an entire motif that was written by Tyler Bates, which was actually really great. Sure. Nobody talks about that Oh, one. I do. I, I, I think, <laughs> oh, I I think the you Guardians know You know what's interesting? Great. You know how um, these sort of franchise films that release a movie every year, every two years, it's there's usually some kind of brain trust or story group or whatever. I've been thinking for the last couple of years, it's like, it'd be great if there was some kind of like musical 
uh, brain tra- or like a Pablo Hidalgo of music for each of these <laughs> franchises. Because honestly, the the workflow and the schedule of most of these things, yeah. there's no way the composers are acquainted with a whole notebook of the true uh, of the motifs. It just doesn't happen. But um, but would you as a composer want someone to say here? Here's what you must incorporate into your score. I mean, I, you know, I don't know that it would be direct that there would be a directive in that way, but even even someone just presenting uh you know presenting the material or there being kind of a repository of of that material I, i'm sure there's nothing there's nothing like that there, um, yeah, it's it's a weird thing in hollywood even with like costuming you know these guys their 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 costumes change from movie to movie it's like why right. why do they have to it's just like cost, costume designers i'm going to do my own spin on it, you know it just that creativeness just doesn't want to rely too heavily on what's come before it for pride reasons. I don't know. I really don't know. But it's in this particular case, while I didn't really truly in the depths of my heart expect it, there's still some level of disappointment that here was a sure. really, really special opportunity and a very special movie in terms of just what it is. Execution be great or, or horrible, whatever that is, or whatever you think of it where it sits in history of film is a really special opportunity with a really special composer who certainly could have handled those themes. I mean, and as we referred to the Hollywood um, Reporter article uh, that was published on April 26th, you'll find the link in the, in the, in the notes um, by Byron Burton, they, they deal with that very specific question. And Silvestri says, look, they said, this is just going to be too confusing, too distracting to try to incorporate incorporate all these things. So don't worry about it. Essentially, I'm paraphrasing. Um, right. We just need to go with the Avengers theme. And I can get behind it to some degree that this is an Avengers movie. So we're talking about the Avengers now. We're not really talking about Cap or Iron Man or Hulk or Thor. We're talking about the Avengers. So when they show up, that's what you hear. I guess I could get behind that still a little disappointing as really a Thanos movie anyway with the Avengers kind of reacting to him um so I think that's fair yeah yeah um all right I mean but but I will say I think if the movie is working Mm -hmm. um and gripping uh for anyone honestly I think that's Sylvester and maybe he isn't doing a lot of bombastic flashy uh for lack of a better word like appealing uh material mm. but this is kind of a structureless <laughs> movie yeah and to make it feel like it works and hangs together like a normal film i think is kind of a, a crazy herculean task mm. and mm-hmm. i think i don't know i was really really impressed by his writing and his spotting but i have to concede none of it is very um fan like flashy or um you know sugary or anything mm-hmm I would agree. It's still one that I'm really interested in listening to over and over, if not to just try to pick up things that I missed. Um, uh, I I listened to Ready Predator 1 quite a few times after I saw that film. Um, I think it's much more digestible, apprehendable uh, than this score, but because I'm interested in the film and what it's saying and doing, I'm looking for more help on understanding the film through 
listening and analyzing and understanding. The I, th- score, I think I another thing though, is it's like, I, I think a great film score, it's, it's always a collaborative, uh, mm-hmm. a collaborative thing. And there's no other director like Spielberg for setting up moments and just sure. creating opportunities for, a, for a composer. Um, so I don't think it's too surprising that the, the score would be that different. I mean, e- even if, even, uh, just, you know, counting for the, 80s nostalgia and all the rest of it just mm-hmm. in terms of sheer thematic opportunities it's uh it's it's different and this is tough you're hopping from planet to planet and people yeah. are seeing really important things and everyone is yeah uh either talking a lot or making a lot of explosions it's it's hard it, it to find had to those be moments, tough. i think it had to be a tough job um <laughs> for the reasons you just mentioned um okay uh, we're going to give our predictions for Avengers 4 and its score in a minute as our as our last question that we answer. But before we do that, I just want to give each of you opportunity to let our wonderful audience know where they can find and follow you. Uh, Kristen, you're up first. The easiest way to find me is on Twitter at KB for now. That's K-B-F-O-R-N-O-W. You can find Film Score Monthly online at fsmonlinemag.com. Also on Twitter at fsmonlinemag. We just put out our April issue, so check it out. Awesome. And uh, Marty Brueggemann, where can people find and follow you? So uh, they can follow the show on Twitter. Uh, we say at underscore underscore show. Uh, we say that the second underscore is silent, but it's essentially underscore written out and then the symbol underscore and then show. Otherwise, uh, feel free to stop over uh, at our website, which uh, is underscore podcast dot com. And we've been on a really long extended hiatus uh, from the show, which has been <laughs> kind of turning our stomachs for, for months now. We've had some actual film music projects that we've been been working on but we are excited to say that uh this uh the month of may the show will be back and running what's kind of crazy without stop is it's stupid that how we did it but it's like right in the middle of talking about incredibles so we did two episodes on the incredibles and we had such a long break between them that when we come back it's going to be like right around when incredibles 2 comes out which definitely makes me feel guilty for how long we kind of kept the show on break but (laughs) it's kind of fitting i guess it, it, it's not like you started in 2008 or whatever. When did yeah. Incredibles come out? I can't remember when that movie came out. Is it's been like 12 or, years or something. It's eight or nine. Oh, gosh. I should know this off the top of my head. But yeah, it's around that time. Okay. All right. Yeah. I no, think it's like 2006 even. I think it's Isn't been 12 years. Me? Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Um, okay. Well, uh, Marty, where can people find and follow you? Uh, yeah, uh, actually, so that was me talking. And we oh, have the same kind sorry. Of voice. <laughs> so yeah, they can but follow said, us at the same. They can follow us at the same spot. So, okay, you have the most interesting explanation of a Twitter handle of anyone who's ever been on the show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I imagine like social media, social media experts and people that you know talk about you know communications and graphic design would probably say the worst possible thing for a Twitter handle is a need to like explain, explain it in it. detail. <laughs> right. But it's kind of our fun little gimmick and i don't know we kind of couldn't resist the almost like pun like nature of underscore underscore show i wonder so was the 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 symbol of the underscore with the word score show taken because then it would have been literally Uh, underscore show yeah, there were a handful of ones taken. You know, i don't know if just the symbol and the word show was taken i don't think we searched for that 
Yeah. Well, you better do it before I publish this because someone else is going to grab it. <laughs> no, ha- have, have at it, folks. We invite some friendly competition. So. Awesome. Well, of course, you can always find and follow uh, this podcast at Audio Soundcast on Twitter. Uh, also find us at Track Sounds for things beyond the podcast that are soundtrack related. Uh, if you want to find and follow me personally, you can do so at C. Coleman. As always, send us an email at soundcast.tracksounds.com. Leave us a uh, voicemail on our SpeakPipe widget, or you can find us on Facebook as well. All right. For our final discussion point of the night, we've alluded to some of these things already, but we can elaborate a little bit more. We've gone through the gauntlet gate and now we have to figure out what does it all mean? Where are we going? What's going to happen in this all? Who's going to live, come back, die again, go away, quit the Avengers? Uh, and what is Sylvester presumably going to do for the Avengers 4 score? Kristen? They get the gauntlet because Thanos disintegrates and uses time slash reality gems to reset everything. Then they have a party. <laughs> Sylvester is going to continue doing the same thing and have an Avengers theme and nobody else's theme. <laughs> and shawarma. And shawarma. Oh my gosh! The shawarma so gauntlet. <laughs> okay, that's that's all very well possible. I hope that doesn't happen, but that's very well possible. Um. Well, what do you think about all this? What are your predictions for Avengers 4 and the score? Well, I definitely did not notice that Thanos was disintegrating at the end of the movie, so that completely changes everything. But I definitely... That may not even be happening. Right. That, that could is. just be poor effects. I think that, that would be That could just cool. be poor effects. <laughs> and also, at the end end of the post credit scene, it says Thanos yes, will return. Yes, I love that. I mean, that was oh, awesome. that's true. would he return as a pile of dust? Well, I kind of think they're going to bring back Fun. All the people who disintegrated yeah. will come back, and that'll probably be what the next movie is. What I have no idea is they're making more Marvel movies in between these. Like the next Spider-Man is set to come out before the next Avengers, so I don't think no. so. I don't it isn't. know how they're going to. No. It isn't. Nope. No, it's not. You know, you've got. Oh, it isn't. You've got Captain Marvel, and well, you got Ant-Man and the Wasp this fall, and then you've got Captain and then Marvel, Captain Marvel, and then, and then the fourth Avengers movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well. That makes sense then. That makes much more sense. So with the next Ant-Man, they're definitely going to have to deal with the fact that everyone died. Well, not unless it's happening Depending before. on the time Basically, period the rapture the movie, happened. Yeah, it may be happening before <laughs> the events of Avengers Age, um, Infinity yeah, War, maybe. I have Otherwise, no idea. it'll be really silly. Maybe that's the I end. I think they're going to bring things back. And what I hope happens is I hope they actually kill off a lot of people in the next one. And just leave room for some new, for, I think that's for a new crew. I mean, I, I imagine there'll be a new Avengers, maybe made up of like Black Panther and mm-hmm. Spider-Man and I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Now, now that you've put it out there, a Spider-Man movie between now and Avengers 4 would be really interesting of just dust floating in the uh, ether. Would, that's all it would be. It would just be, be like just dust Ned sitting in a chair, sadly. <laughs> I could just see just dust floating uh, around. That would be really exciting. Um, Marty, what about you? What are your expectations or predictions for Avengers 4 and its score? Yeah, I suppose I'm predicting something similar to kind of what's being said in terms of um, returning from returning from dust. And I kind of think we'll have um, a, 
heroic send off for our original Avengers. And like Kristen was saying, you know, we know behind the scenes, some of the actors have been, you know, sticking with the franchise longer than, than maybe they had wanted to. So I think we're going to get some nice big kind of heroic send offs for, uh, for some of those folks. Like who? You Uh, can name them. Um, yeah, I suppose like, you know, uh, Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, um, Mm -hmm. Possibly Scarlett Johansson, mm-hmm. um, possibly Chris no, Hemsworth. I, I, I mean, Black, I, I don't know. It'll Black be what a movie has to happen. Yeah. So I mean, although who knows? I mean, not to say that you know you would kill everyone. I, I can't. I can't imagine there'd be a lot of happy campers out there. So, so I mean, something to that extent. I really hope uh, Alan Silvestri comes back. I I sort of think if there is there there might be more of a chance for some character specific themes to pop up in that film depending on the space depending on sort of the tapestry and kind of how many characters uh we're juggling in the movie yeah i don't know i kind of feel like i i sound like a grouchy old man but i'm getting superhero (laughs) fatigue so i i just don't know how many more superhero (laughs) films i can i can endure i i kind of need to i it makes me just want to watch like I don't know, boring movies about just like normal people doing mundane things. Cause these movies are like so physically exhausting to watch. Cause there's so much action that my little old what heart can't there take it. There's plenty of movies like that. You need a like good that. Ken Burns documentary. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. I need a Ken yeah. Burns documentary on superheroes and comic guys, books. Those that would there. be great. I mean, no, these movies well, well, aren't. There's one on Teddy Roosevelt. These movies aren't, aren't keeping those other movies from being made. They're out there. You can just you can watch them. It's not like they don't. Well, that's exist. a whole other conversation. That, um, I, I mean, you don't. Yeah, I it's think not, I. It's not IP fever. It's definitely changing the landscape of oh sure of movies, but sure. Well, the indie world is kind of taking up the slack from what Hollywood's not doing anymore, really. Uh, and like everyone says, of, I, I mean, there's the, such like, great television. So. B budget movie. Like, there's a lot of like big movies that are you know like movies like the avengers and star wars and the big franchises and then there's like small little indie movies but i like movies in the middle that are still for mainstream audiences but like not necessarily a pre-existing franchise or a remake or something yeah this this year has been pretty good for cool new ideas i mean like i don't know get out came out last year and Mm -hmm. I really liked Baby Driver, and there have been a lot of movies kind of in that range, so I, I can't complain too much. Yeah, I was going to say, so... Just wait, guys. Sorry to bother you. It's going to be coming out. You should see it. It's bananas. Hmm. Oh, I've been... I was before. reading some great things about that. What Do you know, do you know when the release saw, date is? I have no idea. I saw it at Sundance, and we've been sworn to silence, <laughs> but go see it. Okay. Um, so I agree with a lot of things you guys are saying in terms of what, what's coming. I do think one or two of the main Avengers are probably done, uh, with this after Avengers four. I think Robert Downey Jr. is one of them. Uh, Chris Evans, I think is another one. Not that they never, ever, ever return, meaning they don't necessarily die, but I think they move on. They might die, but I think they move on. Um, I think there is a chance uh, if we're moving into a new phase, which we are, that that they start that if we if we have Sylvester, then maybe he does a little something different with his Avengers theme, starts to m- move it in a little bit different direction to represent these new 
the new set of Avengers, whoever they might turn out to be. Um, if not, I could possibly see someone else moving in and doing the score for the second film to kind of represent the direction they're going to be moving for phase four. Uh, I don't think that's highly likely, but I think it's possible. Uh, and I, and what kind of makes sense, uh, in a way. Um, so I think the dust people are coming back. I think other folks that died are dead. Um, and I look for a really interesting, hopefully not just some simple deus machina, uh, ending, but because of what Dr. Strange said to Tony Stark, I think Tony Stark becomes the sacrifice that takes out Thanos and restores the universe to some, if not a hundred percent to some great percentage. Um, because he's the key, cause it made no sense for him to give that gem to Thanos to save Tony Stark's life. The half the universe for one guy doesn't make sense unless Tony becomes, pays that off in the next movie in a major, I know major I'm, chi- I know I'm chiming in late here, but this just occurred to me, uh, I'll predict it now. I'm probably wrong. I don't know. I think the next Avengers movie will probably end with Tony and Pepper's wedding and they'll walk off into the sunset oh, and no way, retire. Bro. No way, bro. <laughs> he's gone. He's, he's, the I don't sacrifice. know. There's, they, I think they're setting up some kind of thread with Pepper. She's not just going to be absent and then grieving. I don't, I think I and don't I, even... if they, if they can leave the door open for Iron Man, especially how giant, not only the character, but, RDJ is in China, which is the market is so important. I don't. I, who knows? That that would be. Sh- I'd be shocked. I won't. It, obviously, it's not impossible, but I would be. I'd be really shocked if they went there with that. Um, in any event, I think. I think a lot of uh, eyeballs and ears and hearts are really looking forward to next. I guess it's next May um, to to conclude mm-hmm. this thing. Um, it's. Uh, it was it's quite the ride and i know opinions are varying and i'm glad for all of you being on the show and having your various opinions on it all valid and it's an interesting and fun discussion and i look forward to the ongoing discussion which i think is going to be happening between now and next may um about this <laughs> film and and how it's going to all wrap up so thanks to all of you for for coming on and talking about uh, avengers Infinity War with Alan Silvestri's score. Um, and so, till our next episode, to all of our listeners, thank you for listening and may the notes be with you.